Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? We're so grateful for this wonderful day. We're so thankful that we're able to gather here together to worship you. Lord, we pray today um, that you would just be with us and uh, watch over us and help us to focus on the message so that we can receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. give 
hearts with wonder so that we always remember you and I are made to worship you and I are called to love you and I are given and free you and I embrace surrender you and I choose to here. Um, I officially start next week, so that's really exciting. We have just a few announcements for y'all before we begin this morning. Um, you can open up your bulletins, and it's all framed in the five practices. I'm not going to read them all out to you this morning, but they're all right there for you, and they're on the website. Um, Pastor Joe is off today, so that's why I'm up here this morning. And we have Reverend Dennis Lee, who's going to be giving us the sermon, and then he will be leading the 11 o'clock service as well. Um, so inside the panel, where you can rip stuff off. We do have some important VBS information. It has the Wednesday night 
separate registration, but it also has, if your Sunday school class or your group is interested in doing the Sunday school snacks for kickoff or dinner one night for VBS, you can sign up right there. And there's also sheets in all of the adult Sunday school classrooms this morning. We have a special video made by the Austins, and it is about VBS. Hello, Raptors. Are you ready to experience the ride of a lifetime with God? Then come on an adventure with us at Rolling River Rampage Vacation Bible School at Memorial United Methodist Church. I'm your paddle captain, and this is Romper. Romper knows everything about this river and the wildlife around it. I sure do. I've lived on this beautiful river all my life. Hi, everyone. We hope you'll join us for a great week on the river. To get things started, we hope everyone, all ages, will come out on Sunday, June 17th at 10 and find adventure on the river in a special Father's Day fishing-themed kickoff event. We'll enjoy snacks, crafts, and games. Then a magician and ventriloquist, Steve Hull, will share gospel illusions and tell the story of Jesus calling his disciples to be fishers of men. Our regular Vacation Bible School will run Monday through Thursday night with dinner served from 5 to 5.30 and Bible stories, songs, recreation, art, science, and missions from 5.30 to 7. Registration and volunteer sign-up is open now, so visit memorialgreer.com or pick up a form at the check-in desk. Romper, you're our river expert. What do you think our rafters will find out there? I have found adventure, acceptance, joy, rest, and peace out on the river. It's all out there, Raptors. Come on out and join us on the river. Are you ready to experience the ride of a lifetime with God? So it looks like it's going to be pretty fun, if you ask me. Um, if you will, bow your heads and pray with me, and we can get everything started. Father, we come to you this morning with expectant hearts, expectant and trusting that you will have the words for us this morning, and we will hear the message that you want us to hear. Thank you for the freedom we have here to come and worship you. I pray that we never take that for granted. Thank you for loving us and sending your son to save us, even though we did not deserve it. Help us to keep what you teach us this morning on our hearts throughout the rest of the week. Meet us here this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer that your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's good to see each of you here today. It's a pleasure to join you for worship. I'm going to give a different kind of sermon today. In my reading, I came across a monologue sermon written by a minister named Roy Ford. And what I've done is taken his sermon and changed it some to fit what I would say. Um, the monologue is spoken by Joseph of Arimathea. He lived in the time of Jesus. And you might compare this sermon somewhat to a historical novel. The sermon includes some information from the Bible and um, some information from the history of the times. 
And added to that then is some imagination. If Joseph were here today, what would he say to us? What would he tell us about his life? What would he say about his relationship with Jesus? I think it would be something like today's monologue. But before I begin, let's read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verses 57 through 60, concerning the burial of Jesus. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I want to tell you a little bit about myself and about how I was changed by Jesus. My name is Joseph. I'm the man who buried Jesus. I doubt that you know me. I'm mentioned only once in the four Gospels. I come from a small town of Arimathea in Judea. I served on the town council there. Our council didn't have much power, but at least in religious matters, we could make decisions. But still, it was an honor to be recognized as a leader in the community, even if we didn't have a lot of power on our council. After some years, I decided to move to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of our religion. It was the site of our temple. I wanted to live where I could attend the temple each day. And I could be blessed by worshiping frequently. In Jerusalem, I could study scripture with the best Bible teachers, and I could learn the word of God in ways that I couldn't in Arimathea. Here I could send my children to the best schools, and they could receive the best in education. When I settled in Jerusalem, I bought two tombs. Tombs were a sign of wealth, like owning a Rolls Royce. Buying two tombs would dazzle the socialites of Jerusalem and give me instant prestige and, and status in the city. I was a Pharisee. You see, we Pharisees want to know the will of God for every situation in life. The Bible gives the Ten Commandments as a guide, 
But the commandments do not tell us very clearly what God wants in every situation. For example, how does one keep the Sabbath holy? Can you keep the Sabbath and play ball with your children? Or mow the lawn? Or visit a friend? And what about the commandment, thou shalt not kill? Does that include capital punishment, euthanasia, acts of war? And what about bearing false witness? Does that include exaggerated claims and advertising? You see, the Ten Commandments do not specifically answer these questions. We Pharisees want to do God's will, so we try to define the commandments in detail. That way people could know whether or not they were obeying the law. Take the Sabbath, for example. We have over 600 rules for keeping the Sabbath. We believe that the rules we developed helped us to observe God's law. Although I was a Pharisee, I was more than a Pharisee. I looked forward to the coming of the kingdom of God, the coming of a Messiah. As I waited I began to believe that our age was the right time for the Messiah to come. Every time I passed a Roman soldier, I was reminded of our condition under Roman rule. They governed us. They abused us. Once my son was grabbed by a soldier, and was forced to carry his backpack for a mile. All I could do was just watch and grit my teeth. My wealth and my status were useless. It meant nothing. And then there were the taxes. I could bear them, but I knew many a poor person who lived without food for days on end in order to pay his tax bill the sales tax, the property tax, social security tax. It hit both the rich and the poor, but it hurt the poor more, for they needed more of their money to just survive. Surely the Messiah could rescue us from our predicament. Over the years, there were persons who claimed to be the Messiah, but they turned out to be just pretenders. I began to hear about another such person, a person who some of the people believed to be the Messiah. His name was Jesus. The reports sounded too exaggerated to be true. He supposedly perform miracles, and people said they were amazed by his teaching. 
in my opinion, from what I heard, he was from the wrong side of the tracks because nothing co good comes out of the little town of Nazareth. And frankly, his actions like healing on the Sabbath and not fasting bothered me. On the other hand, I saw people who came to know Jesus and they seemed different because of their relationship with him. I was curious enough that I finally went to the countryside to hear him. And I was surprised. He didn't have a made in Hollywood look. He lacked any polished appearance. His clothing looked like he had walked on a lot of dusty roads. I found myself impressed with both his demeanor and what he said. His message was believable in ways that no one else's had been. I became a secret follower and admirer. I found that as time passed, my colleagues grew antagonistic toward Jesus. I tried to say a few good words for Jesus, but my friends responded by saying, you small town uh, boys always look after one another, don't you? I learned that if you don't come from Jerusalem, you can never be in the in crowd. So I just kept quiet. When Jesus came to Jerusalem, I heard him again and again. And I became ever more convinced that he was God's Messiah. But as time went by, I began to fear that he could not survive in the religious and political culture that existed at that time. The climate was against him. And I wanted to help, but I didn't know how. Dare I tell my colleagues that I believe in him? They wouldn't listen. Sometimes you can't do a thing. And I faced such a time. So I waited and waited, hoping against hope about him bringing in the kingdom. Then one Friday morning, I woke to the news that Jesus was before Pilate. When I reached the palace, I heard the people shouting, crucify him. I learned that the Sanhedrin had already met and condemned him, and now the crowd was condemning him also. And there I stood feeling so helpless. They forced Jesus to carry his cross until he fell. When they reached the hillside on the edge of the city, they crucified him. 
I stood in the distance and I looked around. Where were the followers of Jesus? Where were Peter and Andrew and James and the others? All I saw were some women and one man standing near the cross. While Jesus hung there, I wondered, what could I do? What could I have done? I could not have done anything. I could not have stopped the trial. I could not have stopped the tide that was against him. And now I couldn't do anything to relieve the pain of his dying. But then it came to me. There's one thing I can do. I can give him a place for burial. I have two tombs. But then what would Pilate think? He might be suspicious of me for wanting the body of a criminal. My old friends might shun me. My life could get more complicated, maybe even threatened. In spite of those possibilities, I made up my mind to go to Pilate. I could do that for Jesus. I could bury him. And by doing that, I could let the world know where I stood. So when the head of Jesus dropped, I went to Pilate and asked for the body. After a centurion confirmed that Jesus was dead, I was given permission to bury him. When Sunday came, I was stunned to hear about the resurrection. At first, I thought it was a joke. But when I saw the women, I knew it wasn't. And my hopes and my dreams came alive again. God's kingdom had come. And I witnessed it. Thank goodness I did what I could with what I had for my Lord. And I found that this is all that he expects of any of us. And so that is the message I would leave with you today. To do what you can with what you have for the cause of Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. in declaring our faith through the words of the modern affirmation. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, gift of the Father and heaven grace, crowned by hope and the promise of God's glory. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the divine presence in our lives, from the name of
it is now time for our tithes and our offerings. You can give as the plate passes by or online digitally, and there's some information about that in the bulletin. And if you are new or visiting here with us, please know that we do not expect you to give. We're just excited that you chose to spend your Sunday here with us. I was lost, I was in chains, world had a hold on me, my heart was a stone, was covered in shame, when he came for me, I couldn't run, couldn't run from his presence, couldn't run, couldn't run from his arms. Jesus, he loves me. He loves me. He is for me. Jesus, how can it be? He loves me. He is for was a fire deep in my soul I'll never be the same out of the dark into the light when he called my name I couldn't run couldn't run from his presence couldn't run, couldn't run from his arms. Jesus, he loves me. He loves me. He is for me. Jesus, how can it be? He loves me. He is for me. last one with us.